Hey, what's up? It's Coach AK, and welcome to the Unbranded Podcast, where we dive in deep to some of our guests' lives, just to know them a little bit deeper, while also getting some amazing advice along the way. And I think we've all realized that during these COVID times, our lives are much more multidimensional than what we do between the hours of nine to five. And we realize the world in which we live in, there's so many different layers. And that's why today I am excited to introduce our guest to the show. We're going to be having an amazing conversation. Now, before I even give out her name, just give a little bit of her background. She's published over 25 books, but she's done it in a unique way. She's worked with consultants and entrepreneurs and world changers. And the work that she does is extremely transformational. You can actually find her work at her website under her name, and that is the amazing Miss Amy Kocek. And I'd like to introduce her on today's show. How are you doing, Miss Amy? I'm wonderful. How are you? Fantastic. And I want to say that once and for all, like I'm really impressed by your work, and we're all going to go down a little bit deeper. But at any point, if you have any questions on the work that Amy does, you can find her at amykocek.com and also on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Okay. Now, first and foremost, uh, tell me, I'm going to go right back, right into it. Uh, I know you're in Florida. You're a teacher. You had a lot of amazing work. What got you in to writing in the work that you do? So um, it's a, it's a lengthy story, but I'm going to shorten it as much as possible. Um, so I started off as a high school English teacher. I spent seven years as a, um, as a teacher in different environments and I loved it. I loved teaching, but I got to this point where there was this gnawing inside of me that was like, this, this can't be all there is. There has to be something more. In fact, I remember one faculty meeting, this lady stood up when we were celebrating her 35th year of teaching. And when I tell you she stood up and this is not to knock her, but when she stood up, we were clapping for her and it was like life was no longer in her face. And it was like the sign to me that said, I have to get out of here. I have to go, like, this is not for me. But I had no plan. Um, and at the time I was involved in a really um, very fundamentally religious um, organization. And I remember I was teaching this lesson on integrity, ironically enough, you know, and the basis- why, why, why is that awkward or ironically enough? Um, because the lesson itself, you know, was about being, being who you are on the inside and, and letting that be the same as who you are on the outside, like letting those two meet together. Right. So I'm like teaching this lesson at these like seminars and I'm like real, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. So I'm like, here's point number one and I'm going in. And of course I've been raised in a religious environment. So it's like, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God type of lesson about you got to be who you are on the inside and the outside. And the whole time I'm teaching this, I'm starting to become challenged by my own words. And people kept saying, Amy, this is a book. You need to write a book. And I'm like, I've, this is not a goal. I've never wanted to write a book. I don't know how to write a book. Like, you know, I'm, I grade essays. I teach grammar. And the more that I taught, the more that that lesson began to unfold. And the more that I thought, I think I might have something to say. So I remember it was uh, three o'clock in the morning, just randomly I wake up fully awake, which is not me in general. And I wake up and I have this like urge to write. So I open up my laptop, I'm sitting on the side of my bed and I start writing and I'm using the outline of the lesson I've taught. And I start writing, 
But instead of it being like the lesson of, you know, thus saith God and integrity to starting to write my own story. And as I'm writing my own story, there's elements that are coming out on this computer and I'm looking at them and tears are flooding my eyes because it was stuff that I had lived, but I had never revisited and I had never told anybody or I had never really understood the magnitude of the things that happened in my life. And as I'm writing my story, it's like page upon page of this like therapy with myself. And I realize, oh my God, I'm teaching everybody else about integrity, but it is my own integrity that is challenging me. And it is my own story that's showing me, wait a second, I have lost myself. I have lost myself in a religion. I have lost myself in a career. I have lost myself amongst very, you know, judgmental people just because of the environment. And I'm not living with integrity. So it was like the the process of writing that book set me free. And it wasn't like the minute I wrote and published the book, it was like, ah, I am free. But it was like this first step. Well, you you said a lot there. Right. And I want to <laughs> and I want to <laughs> unpack it a, a little bit because you said there's a, a sense of integrity. It was bringing out to really understand who you were. Why was it through the writing process? And I just got to tell you, as we go into the world, of, especially in the COVID world, we're giving you inside of people's homes. So you might hear traffic. You might hear kids running around. But this is the world in which we live. But to, to continue on that, but why was it writing that brought this out of you? and not doing some other activity? So I think a lot of times when it comes to um, the idea of writing, we view writing um, how we were introduced to it, which was in a classroom, right? And we were told the rules, the technique, the five paragraph essay, and then you turn it in and then you get it back with red marks all over it that says you're not a good writer. And it becomes very technical and academic and educational. So we only categorize writing as in the academic world, or if you are gifted with the ability to write. But I have found that writing is just as spiritual as prayer. It is one of the most spiritual things that you can do, because if you think about it, like, like I said, I lived, I lived these events. I lived, I lived that life, right? But so many times we just keep moving forward without reflecting and we get into noisy environments that keeps us distracted and we don't really sit and become at peace. But writing just became another spiritual practice for me to pause. And the interesting thing is that I'm going back to events that I've already lived, but here's the catch. I'm going back to it armed with, with experience, with wisdom. It's like I'm revisiting Amy at 12 but I get to see her differently than Amy at 12 experienced it because now I, I am armed with all this other wisdom years and it becomes a very reflective spiritual experience where I'm able to heal. I'm able to process it differently because as I'm writing it, I'm like allowing myself to feel things that I might not have given myself the opportunity to feel. Cause once again, we're just living, we're moving, we're going. And a lot of times if you grew up, like I grew up, if you had moments in your life that were painful, you had a window of time to have emotion about it. And that was usually about 24 hours. And then you got to stop talking about it. You got a moment to cry and then move on. You you talk about that. You actually do a, a podcast with your sister. I think you had a, a recent episode for Just One More Cookie about healing family relationships. And you're talking about how holding on to hurt 
can actually turn that into anger and bitterness. Can you actually go more into that, especially when you're talking about the writing process? So I feel like a lot of times we have this mentality of if I don't address it, then it goes away, right? Like if something happens to me and I don't feel the feelings, I don't dialogue through it. I don't really get, I don't really own how I feel about it, that it will just go away. But there's one thing that my therapist told me, which I've repeated millions of times. She said, feelings are like a credit card. You're either going to pay now or you're going to pay later with interest. You just have to decide how you want to process that. So a lot of times when we push things down and we keep not addressing them, it's almost like we consistently are muffling our true feelings because we keep shoving them down, shoving them down to the point where we don't even know how to feel anymore, that we're just at base level, right? So like one of the things that I talked about on my podcast with my brother and sister is that because we weren't taught how to feel, we were angry all the time. But underneath that anger was more vulnerable emotions like hurt, devastated. We were, we were alone, those feelings are a little bit more complicated, right? Which is why writing sometimes can help because it, it makes you pause to say, okay, now how am I really feeling? Let me give myself a moment to put together the words that I might not be able to just, to just flow out to someone else. How do I sit for a moment and say, okay, how do I really feel? And it gives you the moment to actually write those emotions down. But like, you know, we have different style of writing. I think a lot of people can connect with this and say, you know, when I was in school, I learned a very technical style of writing. I do business writing. You know, some people might say, why don't you leave your emotions out of the workplace? So what's the benefit anyway of sharing on an emotional level? So I, I get this question a lot because I work with professionals. And one of the things that I have found is this this fallacy with the idea of you have your business self and then you have your personal self and you should keep those two separate. I think automatically that creates somewhat of a separation from your authentic self, right? Automatically it makes you go in and it makes you deny a major part of yourself. I'm not saying come into the business world and let your emotions be out of control, but I am saying that there is power in bringing who you are to the fullest extent, your experiences, your wisdom, your hurt, your vulnerabilities, bringing all of that into every single environment brings a more authentic version of yourself and makes you more effective, to be honest. And I don't care if you're just writing for business, people buy, people trust, people connect with emotions. We don't buy with our mind, we buy with our heart. That's why you see commercials of people who sell tennis shoes but their commercial is about helping people. Like, what does that have to do with tennis shoes? Well, the reason they're doing it is because they understand we want to feel something. I don't care if you work in the corporate world. Every single person that is on your staff wants to feel something. The thing that they're struggling with the most usually isn't the logic or the analytical side. That's usually what traps us. It's the side that makes them locked up, that gives them strenuous relationships at home that they then bring into the workplace, right? So it's like, if you lead and you understand the balance between emotions and logic, and you learn how to marry those together, it can actually make you more of a viable resource wherever you go. But but imagine like, I, 
I we were talking about before the show about you know our brothers and sisters. I'm the youngest of six kids, all boys mainly, right? Played mm -hmm. sports. How are you able? I think a lot of people can connect with this. Like, if I was going to be emotional, I'd already be emotional. So how do you bring in that emotion into your writing if you've never done it before? Well, first of all, it's the recognition that we're emotional beings. That's first of all. So there's no such thing as not being emotional. We have been gifted all emotions, but we've been taught that there's only one good emotion and that's joy and laughter and happiness and positivity. That's false because without suffering, there is no joy. There's a balance to all emotions and we are emotional beings. That's the first thing. The second thing is we've been, especially from a male perspective, we've been taught that emotions are feminine and emotions involve crying and they involve being hysterical and out of control. Those are false. That's not, that's not what emotions essentially are. And just like with any skill, learning how to write with emotions, how to connect with emotions is a practice. I remember even when we were talking about like healing family relationships with my brother and my sister, because that's probably where like family is where we are, is where we are taught a lot about hiding emotions and getting emotional. A lot of people have strained relationships with their family. And specifically with my brother and my sister, we had to learn how to be emotionally vulnerable with each other. It was practice. When it comes to writing, I'm more of a logical thinker. I always have been. So when it got to me being able to really start to write on a regular basis in a more emotional standpoint, it was a practice that I had to do consistently and it was uncomfortable. But the more that I did it, the more comfortable that I became, the more that I shared about my life and realized, oh wait, it's not the, it's not just the logic that people are connecting to. People are really connecting to my honesty and to my story. So that encouraged me to continue. You know, it can it encouraged me to keep showing up and working at it. I'm starting to have this feeling just a little bit that your writing just isn't about putting words onto a piece of paper, but also it feels like this coaching transformational type experience. What kind of changes have you seen in, in individuals once they start this writing process? So I, I have the privilege of, um, of being a ghostwriter and I also coach writers. And it's so, it's so interesting when it comes to dialoguing out people's stories, because I think sometimes people just believe that their story is a sequence of events, right? And when you share your story, you share the sequence of events. Well, that's kind of like a textbook, right? Report the information. But when we understand that the events and the things that have happened in your life are so much more than just moments, they are packed with deep, deep emotion, wisdom, transformation. And the crazy thing is, is that what we don't realize is that the biggest transformation and the biggest emotional change that occurs is within us, right? So when I'm taking my, my clients through the process, it's always taking those events and going deep with those events. It's like channeling that moment. And I'll make them go back there, like go back there. I don't want you to just tell me this happened and this happened and this happened. I want you to put your body back there. And when your body's back there, how are you feeling? What are you seeing? What's happening around you? What's happening with the people that are in that environment? And the most amazing thing is, is when I do ghostwriting, I'll have them record their story 
And what will happen is, is that people will send me back these recordings and I'll have to like, I'll have to take an emotional break after listening to them because there'll be, some of them involve tears. Some of them involve rage. Some of them involve like pauses through the story of, wait, okay, wait, I never looked at it this way. Epiphanies while they're telling the story. Um, I remember one, one young lady, we were, I was ghostwriting her story and a lot of her story involved her anger towards her mom who had essentially abandoned her, you know? And I remember through this one chapter, she was talking about how she was just like seeking the affirmation and the love of her mom. And while she was dialoguing through it, she's crying. She said on this recording, she's crying. And she said, she starts talking to me on this recording. She said, Amy, I just realized something. My mother didn't have a mom either. She said, my mother was abandoned just like I was at the same age. She said, so I've been holding my mom to an expectation and I've been holding her hostage with my anger, not even realizing that she was a little girl trying to raise a little girl and had no blueprint for it. And she starts crying on the phone. And I'm thinking, she's lived this. She's, she's gone through it, but she had this breakthrough by going back to her story. I didn't have to tell her this. A therapist didn't have to tell her this. Her story told her that. And I've seen it time and time again when I'm going through this. People come to me and think they're just writing their story, but what they don't realize, and I always tell them, when you go back to your story, be prepared to feel it differently. Be prepared to experience it differently. Be prepared to be transformed by your stuff first. Because if you're doing it and you're not transformed, trust that when you send it out to us, we're not gonna feel it. Cause you are the giver of that information. You are the giver of that emotion and that transformation. Well, you just said you're a ghostwriter, right? There's so much emotions that individuals are sharing. How are you able to capture it and give it justice when you share somebody else's story, when they're giving so much emotions because it's their life to live. Like, how are you able to capture that? So this is where I struggle with my, uh, with my title of ghostwriter, you know, because there's a lot of ghostwriters out there in the marketplace. And to just call myself a ghostwriter is very difficult because I do so much more than that. Um, I think I, I think I said heart whisperer one time, and I feel like that's a little bit, it's probably not the perfect title, but it's a little bit closer to what I feel like I do. Because the same way that I want my clients to channel that experience, I then take their recordings and I take their experiences and I, I channel it. So I'm writing a book right now. And part of that book, the, the person who is sending me their recordings, he was in a psych ward, right? And it's his whole experience being in the psych ward. So while I'm listening to that recording and I'm going through it, I have to listen to the recording. I have to take it in. And then as I'm writing it, I have to be that person in the psych ward. So I have to see it. I have to feel it the people that he's describing, I have to get it in my mind, which once again, when, when I'm writing, like if I'm ghostwriting a specific chapter, I know that I have to give myself breaks during the day because it takes so much out of me, which I then, if I'm coaching and I'm having people have that same process, I tell them, you should be exhausted when you're done writing. It should cost you something to go there the books that really matter to us, the books that we've read and we walk away and we're like, wow, that person was talking to me or, oh my God, that was transformational. Trust that that book cost that person something to write. 
because that's where true transformation comes in is when you are willing to go there. And not only do I have to be willing to go there for myself to be an effective ghostwriter, I have to be willing to go there for my clients. You know, it sounds extremely powerful. And I was, you know, trying to think about someone that's listening on. It's like, well, I want to be able to do that. So if they were to call you up and say, hey, I want to, you know, share my story. I'm, I'm not really knowing where to start. Like, what's the best place to start? So I think that before I do two things. I do two things and I encourage people to do this. The first thing that I encourage people to do is um, take your life and chunk it into five-year increments. And when you chunk your life into five-year increments, you just create a writing exercise. Each of those five years, you take those five years and you write down all of the triumphs and all of the trauma, anything that comes to your mind, even little stuff, right? And you just go through that as many things as you can remember. And then you go back to that entire timeline and you start identifying patterns. You start identifying keywords, right? Because I really believe that everybody has a life, a life's message. And that life's message is usually wrapped up in your greatest struggle. My life's message is integrity. Mm. My life's message is always going to be showing up authentically as yourself. Why? Because I've struggled with it my entire life and I still struggle with it. And that struggle means I've become a really great student of integrity. Because I always have to go back and learn something more. All of us have that. And even if somebody else speaks on integrity, they can't speak on it like me because they don't have my experience. They don't have my mind. They don't have, we're all unique, right? So once you discover what your life's message is and what you are tasked on this earth to communicate, now you have an idea of the direction that your content needs to go because that's where you've been, that's the lane you've been tasked. Sometimes we always are like, well, I'm going to look at Tony Robbins or Rachel Hollis or Lisa Nichols. They know their lane. You got to find what you're How do you find that though? That's a question, right? I think everybody as they're going through that is trying to find out how do I find my purpose? How do I find my lane? Yeah. It's in your story. It's in your timeline. Everybody wants to go out and read a book, right? Your purpose-driven life. Your purpose-driven life is within your life. So go back to your life because what's happening, and that's why I say identify patterns. The echoes of your struggle are going to be where your purpose is found because that's where you always have to go back and visit and figure out what is this saying about me, right? Like if you've spent the majority of your life facing rejection time and time again, mm. you keep getting rejected. That seems to be a theme in your life. Then you are tasked to speak to the, to us who have struggled with rejection. So now you're dissecting that topic. How does it feel? What happened during that time period? And then what are you using to get you through rejection, right? So then that becomes your lane. And then well, I'm going to want that to be your lane, right? Let's say you don't want to have the lane of rejection. You want to have the lane of something different. Um, uh, do you want something different because it sounds better? I guess it's the motivation behind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. Right. It seems much sexier to talk about financial freedom, right. Than rejection, or yeah. maybe it's more like, Kitsch. Maybe it's like more popular in the marketplace. And I think that you'll, you'll definitely get traction. Right. But I think the, the greatest level of contentment and the greatest level of purpose is when you, 
when you are true to yourself and not true to a marketplace and not true to what makes you feel good. Because sometimes, uh -huh. so nobody said like your place of purpose would be comfortable. A lot of times your place of purpose is very uncomfortable because it's based in your vulnerabilities. It's based in your pain. And that's where so many people falter because they're like, why would I go back to pain? I want to avoid pain. Pain is your teacher. Pain is the professor. Pain is what you lean into because that's where you learn, right? Some of your greatest learning moments. And that's why I tell people the timeline because the place of your trauma is usually the places where you learn the most. It's, it's usually not in your triumphs, right? The triumph is winning the trophy, but the the trauma might be getting to that trophy. And I guarantee you learned more during the trauma to get to the trophy than the trophy. The trophy is a moment. But to get to the trophy, think of all the all the things that you had to do, that you had to learn about yourself, that you had to push yourself. That's where the learning is. And so many people want just the, the keynote speech. They want the email list. They want the notoriety without figuring out what is it that I bring unique to the marketplace and how do I communi communicate it so that it's authentic to myself. So going back to where do you start, timeline it. And then after that, if you're considering doing a project, like an actual book, you got to outline it. I see so many people jump into just writing, which is great. And people direct other people just start writing. And that, that is a great place to start. But at the same time, you have to know who is my audience? What are their pain points? What do they really need to hear? And then how do I outline my book and my story that engages my reader, right? Because you're not just writing for you, you're writing for your reader. And a lot of times our ideal reader looks and sounds a lot like us. <laughs> we, we attract people who are like us, right? Because that's essentially, if somebody's going to come listen to me, they have to like the things that I'm saying, right? So it's like when you have those two things together, it makes writing so much more purposeful. It makes it so much more focused so that you're not just, just writing to write. Now you're writing with an even greater purpose. Because a lot of times I tell, I tell my, uh, my clients when they're writing, I'm like, you're writing, if I'm writing, my story. I'm not only writing to myself, but I'm writing to the Amy 10 years ago, mm. who is trapped. She's trapped and she's living her life for everybody else. And she's in a career that makes sense. And she's in an environment where she's doing all the right things. She's looking the part, but she's miserable when she's going home. What do you need to say to her? What do you wish you had said to her? So it makes it an even more spiritual experience because not only is it for you, but now you have a specific um, avatar that you're writing to a specific person that you're gearing your information towards. And what would you do for short form, right? Let's not everybody may be ready to write a book, but in the business of sending an email, sending a letter, what about that strategy? I think it's a, it's a similar strategy, except shorter. I still think at the core of who you are, you need to know what is my message? Who am I? Cause it helps you communicate better. Like just take writing out of the category. It just helps you to be a better communicator when you understand your strengths, who you are and what is your core message that you're already, that you're sending on a consistent basis. If I know that integrity is my struggle, my message is always going to be encouraging other people, just be you, just be you. Whether I'm sending an email, whether I'm writing a blog, just be you. So well, when I mean, it comes, oh, sorry. 
I know you're trying to look for practical. You're always giving me to practical. I'm always gonna, because the reason I say this, right, is because we live in a world where everybody's telling us who and what to be. That uh -huh. oftentimes the hardest person to be is ourselves. Like if you're lost and you're off in the middle of nowhere, right? People are like, I'm here because I don't know me. Right. I'm coming because I want to know me. I'm trying to find my purpose to be able to share that with the world. What could we do to help us find ourselves? I know you're talking about, uh, you know, chunking your life, but how do you dissect that even more to say, hey, this is what my purpose, this is what my story is. So the problem is, is that you're asking me, you're asking me to give a one size fits all that allows somebody to come outside of themselves and grab it. When I'm telling you that the way that you find it is by going within and sitting with that timeline in front of you and owning it and feeling it and discovering it. I can't, like, I, I get it. We want the book. What's the book? <laughs> what's the step-by-step -step process? What's the, what's the pill I can take, right? And I'm mm. telling you, you just have to feel it. You have to be in it, right? But we want to skip it. What? Where's the ebook? I don't have it. Because well, e you talked about that earlier with the the just kind of the Nike example. Just do it. Like you can't theoretically think about it. it. Sounds like what you're saying is you physically have to sit down and do it, and you'll understand. But most of us are waiting for that one size fits all. Yeah, because the problem is we keep going outside of ourselves. So when I'm saying that I when I, when I encourage other people, all I'm doing is telling them, hey, you know that person inside of you that you keep silencing? You know that person that you're insecure about and like you don't want anybody to see? I'm telling you, you are, you are okay and that's the person you need to go to. I'm telling you that that person is in there, have a conversation with them. I'm telling you to connect to that person and that's it, right? So it's like, that's where that sometimes that's where the struggle is with what I do, because there's so many ghostwriters and writers out there that's saying, like, write a book in, in 15 days, publish it in a month. And of course, of course, I can give you the step by step process for that. Of course. Right. But you'll be the one and a million on Amazon that looks really good and you can give it to your friends and family. And they're like, oh great, Amy wrote a book. And then in a month when they're cleaning out their books to go to the Goodwill, mine will be on top, you know? But I published it, I got it out. But if we're talking about doing something that matters, it takes, it takes time and it takes you being with you. But we don't wanna be with us because that's uncomfortable. I'm hearing something that makes you very, very different. Mm -hmm. It's not just about writing. It sounds like it's a lot about finding yourself. It's not like you can publish a book, but what's the transformational process and journey you've been on? Meaning the person you are before you wrote that book or whatever you've mentioned, whatever that, that article, whatever it needs to be, the person that comes out of that will be a different person. Am I, am I, am I catching that correctly? A hundred percent. I have a girl right now that I'm coaching and um, she's amazing. She's phenomenal. And um, she has such a great personality and she can really like get in. Like she's like one of those girls that you like, you want to have a coffee with, but I can tell that in her, even in her writing, like she only gets to a point. Right. And then she drops off because she gets uncomfortable being vulnerable. And I told her, I said, when you start being more comfortable being vulnerable in your writing, you'll be more vulnerable in your speaking and you'll be a better coach 
Because what you're doing is, is that you're becoming more comfortable with you, which then allows you to connect deeper to other people so that you can truly help people. You can only take people to the level that you've taken yourself. You can only transform people to the level you've allowed yourself to be transformed, right? So in her writing, she would send her writing to me and I'm like, sound, sounds great. I said, but you didn't go deep. You didn't go there. I said, so the way you go there is the same, it's the same process that I take people through when they write a book, right? When you're writing short form, who's your audience? Identify them before you put write one thing, even on social media, who's looking at your stuff in general, right? What are their pain points? What do they need to hear? And then what part of your story are you going to share? And that part of your story, go there, feel it, feel the pain of it. And then write, don't just write, <laughs> don't just write. But that's where the thing is like, we live in a world where you can share things and there could be consequences. I think people want to be vulnerable, but they're scared of the consequences. They're shared of what people may think. Like, how do you get people over that hump, right? That fear of putting themselves out there, similar to like public speaking. We have the fear of writing. How do you get people over that vulnerability to share pieces of themselves with the world? Um, so I have an opinion on this and I, I could be totally off because this is totally subjective. The only time that my vulnerability has consequences is when I've created a disconnect between who I, who the public sees and who I really am behind closed doors. So let's say for instance, I go out in public and I'm wearing like two girdles and compression, a compression shirt, right? And I'm walking around and I'm presenting something. I'm going to walk around in fear. And if I'm in an environment where there's a fear that I might have to take those off, I'm going to be terrified because I'm presenting a body that's not real to who I am. It looks good. People might approve of it, but it's not who I am. But then flip it. If I go out in public and I'm naked, I don't care what your opinions are. You can say whatever you want because this is me. I'm not coming any other way but the natural version of myself. So when we talk about consequences, the consequences come or the fear comes when you are building a brand and you are building a, a platform that is the foundation of it is on pretense. And that's a very scary place to be. Now, I'm not saying get on and be like, man, I got really drunk last night and I have a drinking problem. You know, like be wise with what you're sharing, you know? Um, I mean, even with I think one of the, uh, Rachel and David Hollis, like they're a very strong influential voice, um, especially in the motivational community, really, you know, doing like marriage seminars. And then they just came out like a couple of weeks ago talking about how they got a divorce, but they've been struggling with this decision for three years. But in the past three years, y'all have been doing marriage seminars. Y'all have been releasing content, talking about how much you love each other, how you're the best. That's a scary ground to stand upon when you're, when the things you're posting are not honest to who you are. That's scarier. And there's bigger consequences there than if I automatically just say, whatever I'm posting is going to be true to who I am. And the audience that resonates with it, the ones who need to hear it, the ones who connect to authenticity, they'll come because that's who I want to attract anyways. I don't want to attract somebody who has a check mark and like saying, well, this is, uh, she looks like this. I don't like how she sounds like this. I'm offended by her story. Okay, good. You are not my ideal audience. You are dismissed and the ones that need it and the ones who are going to feed off of my content and really receive transformation, they'll come. 
Because it sounds like it's it's about authenticity and integrity as he's talking about. It's about how do you really make real change and impact in people's lives, right? And how do you go in deeper? I just, I feel so disinterested and so bored with things that sound good. I remember growing up in church and we would sit there for an hour, right? The preacher would be up and he would be speaking for an hour. And I went to a very rambunctious demonstrative environment. Like, you know, people jumping up and down and running around the church. And I remember I'd be sitting there and of course I'm analytical. So I have my notebook and my pen out and he would be up in the front and he'd be saying these phrases and people just be jumping up and down, running around. Right. And I would like write it down. I look at it and be like, okay, but what does that mean? What is that? Hmm. What is that really? How do I apply this? How does this how does this go to my life? And then it was like everybody in the church was like trying to impress everybody else at how spiritual I am and, you know, how great my life is. Just growing up in that environment did something to me that has put me in a place now where everything in my life, everything in my career, everything in my relationships is always about I just want to be free to be me at the core. I don't want to sound, I don't just want to sound good. I don't just want to look good. Just want to look the part or just have people compliment me and go home and be sad and depressed and know that I don't have my stuff together, but I sure can talk it good and I sure can look it good. I want every part of me to be authentically me, whether that authenticity has me feeling insecure and I tell my followers or my clients, man, sometimes I really struggle with insecurity. That might discredit me, but it makes me human and it allows me to always authentically operate within who I am. And it doesn't matter what career you have, it doesn't matter what you do, that quality can be something you live out every single day of your life and bring into your environment. And like I said, be a viable resource and be a credible person within whatever field you are. Well, I mean, we've been talking a little bit about, about really going deep within ourselves. And we did this activity in the, the pre-show called the unbranded process, where we go deeper into individuals' lives. Because we know during this COVID time, there's so many different layers behind each and every one of us. Also, in addition, we know that there's multiple driving factors that have made Amy who she is today, right? And we put a list together. I think you had over 100 things that make you who you are. Just tell me a little bit about that that process and maybe some of the things that were on your your list. We were able to actually narrow it down to five, but just tell me a little bit about what was on that list and uh, uh, how that felt for you. Um, so I want to preface this by saying that I hated this exercise. <laughs> and, <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so one of the difficulties that I had just with putting down the list is um, I always struggle with labeling myself. And I think part of that was um, steeped in the fact that I spent so much of my life being labeled by others. So it's taken me a while to really decide who is Amy, and it resonates. And then how do I keep out the Amy that people have ascribed to me? You know, like I am, I have a very large personality. I am, you know, so I've always been too this, you're too loud, you're too passionate, you're too opinionated. So get really narrowing it down to say, okay, if I silence all these voices, and I silence all the things that I have for so long attributed to myself because I thought I needed to and just really get clear what 
what what would I ascribe to me? And that was a very sobering moment and one in which, right, I wanted like the, what are the steps? How do I figure this out? Because being alone with myself was difficult in that moment because then I had to realize, man, there's a lot of things that I have still ascribed to myself that maybe my mom told me or my youth leader told me or, you know, so many other people. So it was it was initially difficult. It was initially difficult. We narrowed it down and we were able to get to your top five, right? Painful. Encourager, observer, confident, passionate, paradox, you know. So within that, as you get down to your top five, like when you look at this list, what is this list like reflect to you? What do you, what do you think about it when you see that, those top five that make up Amy? Um, well, first I think it's liberating because these five resonate with me, not because somebody told me that I am this, but because I know I am this. So that's the first thing. It makes me feel good. It's like, it's almost sounds childlike, right? Like I did it. I did it for me. Nobody had to tell me. Um, it resonates with me. But then I think that the thing that's also so interesting is that I see these five in every part of my life. Like I see these five fully functionally operating in every part of my life. You, you know what's crazy is that you didn't have writer, teacher, ghostwriter. Like why not? Like what? So obviously we do this every single day in, in the work, but none of this was on your top five. Like why is that? Because those are titles. Yeah. It's not. It's not who I am. Those are the, especially like when it comes to writer, ghostwriter. I always say like that's my that's my platform. That's not who I am. That's that's the platform that I've chosen to bring who Amy is to the world, right? And we all have different platforms. It could have said speaker, but I would still have brought all five of these to the platform of speaking, or I could be a, an accountant, and I would bring these five to my career as an accountant and bring value to the people around me with these five. So I don't put job titles, job titles change, careers shift, but who I am will stay the same, you know, relatively. This is the foundation of who I am. So I, I'm noticing something about foundation, people knowing who people are, but tell me more about paradox then. Like, what do you mean when you say paradox? So, Okay, so paradox is interesting because <laughs> every time I go through these things and it could just be like, I don't like rules and like, I hate, I like to say like, I am this all the time or I am this, like I really struggle and it could be my analytical mind. Cause I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm an introvert, but I'm also like, I'm an extrovert, but I also like to be alone. And like, um, you know, I'm really frugal, but Sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes an over overspender. So it's like this idea of like, okay, I am this always. It I, it probably has something to do with just my personality of like, wait, it says 35 miles per hour for the speed limit. Okay, but 40 and 45 is optional. You know, it's like, there's like always this, there could be more, you know? So I think the paradox just goes with the basis of my personality of just never feeling like I want to settle in on a rule, a person, a way of life. Like I always feel like I should be fluid and changing. You're muted. 
Who? I wasn't even talking. You thought I was talking. I was, I was just, I was just finding my voice. That was good. That was a good facial exercise. <laughs> it was yeah. good. It was good. I was, you know, working on my enunciation. There you uh, go. <laughs> but uh, so if you had to remove, you know, we got to the top five. If you had to remove um, two of them, what would you remove? I hate it. I hate removing. Um, I mean, I probably would remove paradox and passionate. Okay. And I guess, you know, why is that? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me why. Well, part of it is that they both began with P's and I felt, I felt that, I felt that commonality. Um, because if I look at the other three, I feel like those three are a little bit more um, profound. And paradox is just kind of something that is there, but I don't really focus on. And I don't know, but I am passionate. But if I had to rank which one of, of importance, I don't know that passionate would be like up there. Okay. So obviously you have your top three, observer, encourage, and confident, right? So you got three, right? When you look at that three in terms of all this stuff that you do out of you, I think we started with a list of a hundred different characteristics about you and you come down to the top three. What is the first thing that kind of comes out at you when you see these top three? So I think encourage would be my number one. Number one. Mm-hmm. You got to encourage number one. So tell me about encourage or encourager. Tell me about more about your number one of encourage. So I feel like this goes back to um, back to my life's message and like what I really feel like I've been tasked to do and really what's been present in my entire life. I remember my mom told me this story when I was, um, she said I was eight years old. I don't remember the story essentially. She said, I was eight years old and I came home and I was chatting with her. And she said, I told her that my friend's mom had talked to me about her marriage and how she was having all these struggles with her marriage. And my mom told me at eight years old, apparently I had given this lady encouragement that I had encouraged her. And I was telling my mom, you know, we really need to help her. And I thought that story was so interesting because I find that that is what the patterns of my life have revealed is that so often when people come to me, I find myself seeing past everything you're saying to me, seeing past everything you're presenting and really seeing you and encouraging the real you. Because so often we are our greatest critics and we are surrounded by people that only want to deal with the base level of us. They only want to deal with what serves them. They only want to, um, they're comfortable with what you present and they're not comfortable going deeper. But since I have found comfort in going deeper with myself, it creates an even greater comfort for me to go deeper with other people. And to say, like I said earlier, the encouragement isn't necessarily encouraging where you are right now. It's saying, I'm looking past where you are right now and I'm saying, that this whole process is pulling out of you something deeper that's scary, which is the real you, which is the depth of you. So I'm encouraging you. I see it. 
right? Like I always say the three things, the three greatest needs that people have is to be seen, to be known and to be loved. So when I'm encouraging, it's like, I'm encouraging that when I'm working with clients, I'm encouraging them to go there to say, I hear the events of your story, but more than that, I see, I see the 12 year old that you're talking about. And I'm saying, I see him, I know him and I love him. And now I need you to do the same. So even from a child, I feel like I've been honing that, right? And I really discovered that when I did my own timeline, as I stated earlier, um, I realized that that was a pattern and it comes so naturally. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, in a conversation, say, okay, now the goal here is to see them and then to encourage, it's just, it comes naturally. Most of my clients, I'm are like within the first one to two sessions, we're already there. And it's not even like it's on the list list number or number two on the agenda, go deep and let them know. It just comes and it flows naturally. So I think that's why I picked this one because I don't have to work on this. It's just been, it's been inside of me. And the more that I recognize it, the more that I just allow it to operate freely without feeling uncomfortable. Can you give us a moment, like a day, a moment when you can think about where your number one of encourager really played out? Like take us to that moment, take us to that day if you could think of something. Where I encourage somebody else? Yeah, where you, you know, that word of encourager. I am sure there's like this moment in your life or a time when, you know, someone's life this way, something happened, you encourage them and it really just changed the trajectory of that individual's life. And I know it's kind of put you on the spot, but you know, I'm always like in that specifics and I think just, it really is just a powerful statement to who you are and what I know of you. Yeah. So um, it's interesting because this just happened um, this past Monday. So I have a, a I have a mastermind that I teach. And so it's on a Zoom call. And one of the um, one of the students, he um, he's working on doing public speaking, but we're also working on the component of writing. So I do it with my business partner who does speaking. So I was I did a writing workshop and I had them write. And they had to, <clears throat> it was like a couple paragraphs and it gets to him and I could tell that he was so uncomfortable and he had shared multiple times, just like small, right? It wasn't like he didn't go deep, but he was talking about like he was dyslexic and he still struggles with it. And in school, they used to call him the crab because he said anytime it was time for him to read or write, he would, he wouldn't walk forward or backward. He would walk sideways out of the room or like go backwards into like a dark place, like a crab. So that was his, that was what people would call him. And they use it as a joke and he was telling it and he was laughing. Right. So he does, he he's, it's his turn to read his writing. And he, he like was like flowing. So I could tell he didn't even really write. And I told, I paused and I said, um, I said his name and I said, this isn't about this moment. I said, because right now, you are, he's 43. I said, right now you're a 43 year old man. But right now what I see is 12 year old boy who was called a crab. And I said, and you sat in the back and you felt like you couldn't do it. And you felt less than, and you felt, you felt like you were below everybody else in the class. And you felt like you would never be able to do it. And this was something you would never be able to conquer. And so, so right now we're not talking about the par the paragraphs you're writing. I said, right now you need to talk to that little boy. 
Right now I'm saying, I see him. He's still there and he needs you to connect to him and tell him that this is not going to defeat you, that you have the ability to write, that you have the ability to put words together. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not in there. Just because you struggle doesn't mean you're less than. It means that it's in there. And if you are called to speak and you're called to share your story, then surely you have been equipped. So right now you need to have a moment between you and the 12 year old version of you. And you need to connect to him and tell him that it's okay, that the days of being a crab are over because you're still carrying that. And the whole Zoom call goes silent, right? Because they're thinking this is- I, mean, about- I think all the listeners are going silent. <laughs> that was, that yeah. was good, yeah, keep going, yeah. Because they're, they're thinking like, this is all about technicalities and I'm gonna tell them like, you should have used transitions, right? But I told him, I said, I would be doing you a disservice if I just commented on your writing. Because then all I would do is perfect one moment in time where you need to conquer something that once you conquer it, every writing you do after it will take away this block that has been following you since you were a kid. And until you address that, like we're, we're fighting a losing battle at this point. And um, he took a pause and he was like, he's, he's a pastor. And he said, um, he was like, Amy, for a moment, it feels good to be pastored. He was like, it felt like you pastored me. Right. Um, and he was like, you're so right. This is something that I need to, I need to address. He's like, cause even now when I'm, when I'm writing, he's like, I get that same, that same feeling and that same emotion. And that is the power of writing, right? That's the power of writing because it's so much more than just putting words on a paper for so many people, especially for men. Um, there's like insecurity that comes with it with just even the process of writing that says more than just about that moment that says something about an insecurity that you need to work on or writing a a certain part of your story that keeps you blocked. It's because there's something there for you to go to. Like I said, pain, discomfort, that's our classroom. That's our learning. That's our moment to like get that breakthrough we've been seeking. And we're asking everybody, can you help me? What's a book you read? What can I go to? You can go to yourself. That's where you need to go. But that's where we avoid the most, right? Because that is where we have to sit in pain and sit in front of our pain and say, teach us. And that's hard. But I'm telling you, that's where it's at. Like he came to that, he came to that class thinking he was going to learn how to write a better paragraph. But when you understand that it's about learning how to become a better person, paragraphs come without trying after that. It flows in a way that you've never seen it flow before. So this is my, you know, first podcast, obviously doing this and interviewing for the unbranded. And sometimes you want to sum something up, but I feel like whatever I say, Right after what you just said <laughs> diminishes what you just said in so many ways. It was I I I was extremely touched because yeah I'm a I'm a guy I'm, I I felt it I can think we could all understand that the writing process the difficulties isn't about putting words on a piece of paper but it's sharing a piece of ourselves and that is what I would say since I've known you yeah it's through the pen and paper or through the written word, but what you're doing transforms lives, like you said. So when I hear the word encourager, that story and combining those two is just literally mind blown. Now, if you can, and if you want to, 
Is there any final words, um, you know, as you have individuals that are listening in, could be today, down the road, or in some archive down the road, a hundred years from now, what would you want to say? So I just want, I just want everyone to know that the most valuable asset that you will ever possess is your story. There is no book on the planet. There's no person. There's no influencer. There's no, um, there's no inspirational message that will create more transformation and more breakthroughs and more powerful epiphanies than your own story. I cannot emphasize it enough. And sometimes people are doubtful of it, but I would say, try me. Try going back into your story because there is where all of your power lies. All of it. If you're confused, if you're like, Amy, I'm lost, the roadmap's in your story. If you're like, Amy, I can't forgive. I'm in pain. I'm holding on to bitterness. The, the salve to your wounds is in your story. And when you learn that, and when you start going back into your story and leaning into pain, leaning into discomfort, it becomes easier. So now you continuously revisit your story. There is no voice in my life that is stronger than my own, none. And I've learned that because when I go back to my story and I hear my voice, I get the direction I need. So that would be my encouragement to you is um, understand the value of what you possess inside of you. You've already lived it, but when you go back there, it's like going back to, to the textbook of your life to get the directions that you need. So stop looking outside of yourself and start looking inside of yourself because everything you need is right there. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, for your powerful and inspirational transformative words today. I think you're number one of encourager. Uh, you do it masterfully, literally. Um, and the impact that you will have with the work that you do will be life-changing for so many individuals. And I think when I was introducing you, I was like, oh, she's published these books and she's done all that. Realizing there's so much more into your story and what makes you who you are. Now, everybody, I just want to say, um, follow Amy. I said at the beginning, you can go to amykocheck.com. You can also her on LinkedIn, Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram. Um, work with her. Uh, you will see a, a powerful, formative experience. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us today on the Unbranded Podcast to share your writing process and just your overall story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So once again, like I said, uh, Amy did a, you know, is a phenomenal individual. If you want to her, I said where you can find her, but I think all of us know that we live in a world where everybody's telling us who and what to be, that the hardest person to be is in ourselves is ourselves. And what Amy brought us here today was really to talk about how do you bring that out within to the world to really truly find yourself. And yourself is where it's always been, and that's in your life and in your story. This is Coach AK with the Unbranded Podcast. Signing off. Thank you.